The House and Senate are in recess. The House will likely return Wednesday for a one-day session, then go back into recess. Last three weeks in the House. Still in session on Monday, December 21, the House took up and passed H.R. 133, the legislative vehicle for the omnibus-slash-coronavirus relief bill. And then they went home for Christmas in the hopes they would not have to come back again before the inauguration of the 117th Congress on Sunday, January 3rd. Their hopes were dashed when President Trump vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act. Their hopes were dashed further when President Trump indicated he might not sign the omnibus-slash-coronavirus relief bill because he was disappointed that the Congress had not included his demand for a $2,000 per person personal check from the federal government. So on Monday, December 28th, the House returned to vote to override the president's veto of the NDAA. And while they were in town, House Democrat leaders decided to put Republicans on the spot with a vote to increase the amount of cash going out the door in the latest coronavirus relief package, raising the amount of the individual checks contained in the coronavirus relief bill from $600 per person to $2,000 per person. That vote put everyone on record. It passed by a vote of 275 to 134, with 44 Republicans defecting to join 231 Democrats. Then the House voted to override President Trump's veto of the National Defense Authorization Act. That vote was 322 to 87, and that was the last vote of the House in the 116th Congress. The House came back into session on Sunday, January 3rd. In the first consequential vote of the 117th Congress, Speaker Pelosi was reelected to her position with a greatly reduced majority. She only received 216 votes, in fact. On Monday, the House took up the proposed rules package for the 117th Congress. It took them five votes to be able to pass that rules package, about which we will talk more in a few moments. On Wednesday, the House and Senate went into joint session to tabulate the votes from the Electoral College. We'll talk more about that in a moment, too. So this week in the House, the latest word we have is that the House most likely will return to vote Wednesday to impeach President Trump. Last three weeks in the Senate, the Senate was still at work on Monday, December 21. So while waiting for the House to finish up with its massive omnibus coronavirus relief bill, the Senate went back to one of the nominations that had been delayed the previous week for a lack of Republican votes. Invoking his parliamentary wizardry, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell brought up a motion to proceed to the motion to reconsider the motion to invoke cloture on the nomination of Eric J. Soskin to serve as Inspector General of the Department of Transportation. Once that was agreed to, he moved a motion to reconsider the motion to invoke cloture on the nomination of Eric J. Soskin. And then once that was agreed to, he moved to the motion to invoke cloture on the nomination of Eric J. Soskin. And then at long last, after that was agreed to, the Senate voted on the nomination of Eric J. Soskin to be Inspector General of the Department of Transportation. And the Senate voted to confirm him to that post by a vote of 48 to 47. Finally, the Senate voted to pass the omnibus slash coronavirus relief funding package by a vote of 92 to 6. And then they went home for Christmas in the hopes they would not have to come back again before the inauguration of the 117th Congress on Sunday, June 3rd. Their hopes were dashed when President Trump vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act. So the Senate came back into session on Wednesday, December 30th, to take up a veto override vote. First up on Wednesday was the motion to proceed to consideration of the veto message. Then came the motion to invoke cloture on the veto message. And then came the veto override itself. All three passed with at least 80 votes. Consequently, President Trump's veto of the NDAA was overridden, and he sustained the first and only veto override of his term in office. That was the last Senate vote of the 116th Congress.
The Senate returned on Sunday, January 3rd for the swearing in of the 117th Congress. On Wednesday, January 6th, senators did something they very rarely do. They walked across the Capitol to enter the House chamber for the quadrennial joint session of Congress to open and tabulate the Electoral College votes from the November general election. Now let's talk about the new House Rules Package. As mentioned above, the House of Representatives voted to adopt a new rules package to guide the House's deliberation for the next two years. There are some significant changes in the rules. First, there is a huge change to the motion to recommit because the Republicans in the 116th Congress were too successful in using it to force Democrats to cast difficult votes. The Republicans in the last Congress were so clever at using the motion to recommit that on no fewer than eight occasions, enough Democrats came across the aisle to join Republicans that they created a majority and the motion to recommit passed. So the House Democrat leadership considered various ways to address this, to address this problem and they settled on this change. The motion to recommit now sends the bill back to committee rather than allowing the minority to offer an amendment to the legislation on the floor. Republicans were not at all happy about this, said Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, quote, the Democrats just destroyed 100 years of representation in Congress, end quote. The second change in the rules is being described in the mainstream media as a compromise between the few remaining centrists in the House Democratic Caucus and the hard left members. Under this compromise, the House Budget Committee chairman is, authored, is authorized to eliminate the standard pay-go rules, that's actually pay-as-you-go, which require financial offsets for legislation that would otherwise increase the deficit, on bills involving health care or economic relief related to the coronavirus pandemic or climate change. So if the House considers legislation to pass a one-size-fits-all single-payer health care plan or a massive Green New Deal, or another coronavirus relief bill at a cost of trillions of dollars, there is no longer any need in the House rules for that projected spending to be offset by countervailing spending reductions elsewhere. Where I come from, that's not a compromise. That's a route for the big spenders. And finally, of course, there's the rule change you all heard about, the one where the House will no longer use gender-specific pronouns and references to family relationships like father, son, mother, or daughter, and will instead use gender-neutral language. As an example, and I'm not making this up, the Office of the Whistleblower Ombudsman will now be called the Office of Whistleblower Ombuds. Now to Georgia's Senate runoffs. Both Democrats won the January 5 runoff elections for the two U.S. Senate seats representing Georgia. The Reverend Raphael Warnock defeated incumbent Republican Kelly Loeffler and John Ossoff defeated incumbent Republican David Perdue. The balance of power in the Senate in the 117th Congress will be 50 Democrats against 50 Republicans with Vice President Kamala Harris in the chair of the presiding officer to break any tie votes. That effectively makes New York Senator Charles Schumer, who has served as minority leader for the last four years, the new majority leader. Now to the Electoral College challenge. It failed. Now to the aftermath. The president is under great pressure to resign as soon as possible. Speaker Pelosi has declared that if he does not resign or is not removed from office by means of Vice President Pence leading a majority of the cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment, then the House will vote to impeach President Trump. 
If the House were to vote to impeach the president, it is likely that the trial would not begin until after President Trump has left office and Joe Biden has been sworn in as the next president. And in case you're wondering, yes, the Senate can convict a former officeholder after he has left office. And that's our Washington Report for this week.